How are you? Good. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Good day. Good stuff going on. And um, really nice of the, of the California Capital Air Show to run their air show while we're doing a talk called Who's Your Wingman? Perfect, right? I mean, it's, you know, Sports Illustrated cooperates with us. California Air Show, you know, cooperates with us. Very nice of them to do that for us. So we are uh, in a journey where we're celebrating 25 years of ministry as a church in this community, in this region, and we just thought that it would be a good, healthy thing for us at the, at the end of those first 25 years, before we launch the next 25-year run together, we just thought, you know, we ought to cycle back and ask some questions that we've been asking together as a church. And I've just learned over the course of my life that questions help me address issues. And sometimes if somebody else asks the question, it helps me more. And sometimes I'm not that great at asking the questions for myself. But if somebody else asks them, it's like, oh, I, I can work on that. And so we're just walking through this month five questions. Last week we started with what's your story? Every follower of Christ has a story to tell. Every one of us who is a follower of Jesus has some kind of faith story that God wants to work through our story into the lives of somebody else. And so I've been hearing some of your stories. Some of you wrote them down and gave them to me, and that's beautiful. And, and Donna's been hearing some of those stories and passing them along to me, and they're just amazing, wonderful stories of what God is doing in our lives. And everybody's story is amazing because somehow in there, God has been working in your life and in my life. And they're just amazing um, tales or journeys of what God has done with us. So I hope you're working on that piece of that. And in that process of answering these five questions, we're trying to figure out how do we orient our lives around the gospel of Christ? Jesus gave us this good news, his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven where he's praying for us. And we're trying to orient our lives around all of that good news. And these questions are designed to help us. So, so what's your story is first. And then today we're going to do the next question, which is a question we've asked years ago. It's one, of the, it's one of the talks that I have given here at Lakeside. We actually did a whole series on it. It's been one of the most influential, long-lasting talks that I've ever given. And every preacher's dream is that everything they say, you remember for the rest of your life. See, it's a dream, but... You know, it's sort of a happy dream if it happens. And so every now and then, in fact, fairly regularly, people will come to me and they'll say, I, I've, I've got a wingman. You know, you remember that wingman talk you did? It's like, I remember it. Well, I've got this wingman and he's sticking with me. And they find it so helpful. And so we just thought, let's cycle back to that one because this is another question that helps us orient our life around the gospel of Christ. Who's your wingman? That's the question. Now, I just want to look through some scriptures and just see if we can figure this out from what the Bible says and then just figure it out from a practical perspective. Where does this work for us? So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to uh, jump to a couple of different places. We're going to start right at the beginning. Genesis, well, not right at the beginning. Next chapter from the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. All right, Genesis 1 is the beginning. Genesis 2 is a retelling of the beginning. So here's where we're going to start. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, if you remember, we did the seed series a year and a half ago or something like that. Maybe you were with us and you walked through that. You kind of know some of this stuff. Or if you just think back, you go, well, Genesis chapter 2, what's that about? That statement, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. That's a story about marriage. It's a story about God saying, okay, I got this man made up. Now I need to have a woman made up to go with him. And he designed us to be partners together in several different kinds of ways. And that's primarily what he's talking about. So when I go on, I make some application from that. 
you know, I, you know don't, don't go, he doesn't get it, it's about marriage. No, no, I get it, it's about marriage. But the application of those principles go beyond marriage. Because here's the principle. God says, it is not good for a man to be alone. And you would be able to say the same thing about a woman. It's not good for a woman to be alone. Now, every th- now and then there's a season where you say, oh, for this season, I'm going to be alone. Or for this day, I'm going to be alone. Some of you moms, your kids are back at school. It's like, oh, I'm going to be alone. You know, beautiful, right? So we go through seasons where it's okay to be alone, but it just on an on a ongoing, long-term, principle basis, God says it's not good for a man to be alone, and I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. And God sets us up. He says there needs to be somebody else in your life who comes along with you, who walks beside you, who works with you when it's rough, who celebrates with you when it's great. And one of the words we use to describe that person here at Lakeside is wingman. Genesis chapter 2. That's how God sets it up. Now, let me take you to another one and just kind of give you some description of what a wingman looks like. Proverbs 17, verse 17. You can look these up or you can write them down. You can just listen to them if you like. That's fine. But Proverbs 17, verse 17. Proverbs, remember, are general statements of truth. So here's what he says in 17:17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You are all all old enough to know that life is not always beautiful, right? You're old enough to know that life is not always up and to the right in a straight line. Life is not even always to the right. You know, sometimes it's backwards. Sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps backward. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's three steps backward and a step forward. You know, sometimes it feels like you're on the treadmill losing ground and you're about to fall off the backside. That's just how it feels sometimes. And Solomon writes this proverb for us and he says, I want you to get this. A friend loves at all times. That's the nature of it. When we're a friend to someone, we love at all times. When hard things come between us in a relationship, we love at all times. You have someone who serves as a wingman for you, a wingwoman for you, if you want to say it that way. That person loves at all times, even when it gets rough. And they are there with you, even when it gets rough. A brother is born for a time of adversity. They stand with us, they walk with us, they go with us, they hope with us, they pray with us, and that matters. And if you've been in that kind of a relationship, you know how much it matters. And if you've had an absence of that relationship, that kind of relationship for any length of time, you go, oh, that matters, because then you feel it. I remember when my dad passed away, it's been 13 years now, which is shocking to me, but uh, I was with him in the morning. That morning, I was down in Southern California. He took me to the airport, and then I flew back home. And later on that day, I got a call from my wife that said my dad had passed away, which was just shocking to me. And I got back on a plane with my older brother who lives in Red Bluff. So he came down to Sacramento. We flew out together. And my older brother, we have four siblings in my family. And my older brother is also a pastor. So we flew back down to be with my family. And we're talking about, the, you know, the service. And what's, what are we going to do to honor dad and those kinds of things. And my older brother, he, he's like, I don't want to be the public face of this thing. And so then they all looked at me and they were like, well, Brad, you, you're going to do the service, right? And for me, I'm, I'm sort of the opposite of that. I'm like... If you hadn't asked me, I would have asked you if I could do the service. I just kind of thought the best honor I could do is to, for my dad is to speak up at his service and to, and to lead it. 
and to say, here's, what, here's who my dad is, here's who my dad has been in my life and, and in your lives and things like that. Well, I'm about halfway through the service in the church that um, Donna and I grew up in, and uh, it's tough. You know, I'm, trying, I'm talking about my dad, and I'm emotional, and it's hard to get through it. And I looked up to the back door of the church about halfway through, and there were my friends, John and Vicki, standing in the back door. 500 miles away. They got on a plane that day and they flew to Southern California just to be with me at my dad's memorial service. Why? Because they're wingmen. And they're like, we're not going to let you walk through this alone. Well, I wasn't alone. I had all, we had a lot of people there. I had my siblings there. My mom was there. My wife was there. My kids were there. We were a lot of people there. Yeah, but they but they're the ones who are saying, yeah, but we're not going to let you be alone from us. That's a wingman. A brother was born for a time of adversity. Or Proverbs 18, verse 24. 1824 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We need those kind of friends. We need to be those kinds of friends who stick closer than a brother. Or this one in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. You don't know where Ecclesiastes is, a few more pages to the right. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8 says this. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Here's a man who's alone. And he says, my life has no meaning. I live all by myself. I live all for myself. My life has no meaning. He says, two are better than one. Two have a better ROI. Right? Return on investment. Two are better than one. In fact, a a three-strand cord is stronger even than two. In other words, it's good to have friends around. It's good to be in a group. It's good to be in a small group. Because two are better than one. Three are better than one in our lives. So a wingman is someone who walks with me, who stands with me, who kneels with me. And let let me just give you a cheesy alert. Okay? Because some of you are going, that is the cheesiest thing I've heard all day. Okay, I know. I know it is, okay? You know that song, The Wind Beneath My Wings? I, I, right? Some of you are just like, that's a cheese ball song. But I have people like that in my life. I have people like that who, who sometimes are in the background, and they stay with me, and they stay under me, and they support me, and it means everything to me. They are my wingmen, and they matter a lot to me.
fascinating. All the people that we look at in the Bible, we go, wow, that's a hero of faith. I want to be like that person of faith in the scriptures. Almost all of them are recorded to have a wingman. Right? So David had Jonathan. Here's, here's the son of King Saul, the son of the king, the one who would be the next king. And he made a covenant friendship with this man named David who was the interloper. He's the man who would be king. He's the one who says, well, I think God's anointed me to be king. And the king was furious at his son. King Saul was furious at Jonathan because Jonathan made a covenant with David. And Saul knew that David was going to be the next king. He said, why are you throwing away the crown, son? But Jonathan said, David and I are like this. He is my wingman. I will not leave my wingman. That shaped his life. I have a wingman in my life today. His name is Paul Edwards. He's, interestingly, he's a lead pastor of another church in the area. He's a lead pastor of Sun River Church down in Rancho Cordova. And uh, he, has, he has been there for me when I've struggled. When, when I hit bumps in my road, I call Paul. I say, hey, I got I to meet. We, we go down to Dos Coyotes sometimes because it's like halfway between Sun River and here. It's like, come on, Paul, I got to talk. Are you free? I'm free. Beautiful. Come on. Come talk to me. When he's in trouble, when he's hitting bumps, he calls me. He says, can we meet at Dos? It's like, okay, trouble coming. Yeah, but I'm there for him. He's there for me. That matters to us. That's a David and Jonathan relationship that really matters to me. And some of you go, how can you be a wingman with another pastor of another church? Aren't you guys competitors? Aren't you like rivals? Don't you get mad when people go to his church instead of your church? No. We're not rivals. We're partners. We share together in the kingdom of Christ. We share together in the gospel of Christ. We're not We're not rivals. We're a wingman. Matters to me. David had Jonathan. Jesus had Peter, James, and John. Sometimes you go, well, Jesus, you know, he could have done it all by himself. And in in fact, when you see how how rough a time his disciples had staying with him and being faithful to him, maybe you think, well, he probably did pretty much go it alone. No, he had these people. Now, think about Jesus. How many people followed Jesus? How many people loved Jesus? Well, we know on the mountainside of that one time, he had 5,000 men plus women and children. There were thousands of people that followed Jesus around. He had 70 people who were so committed to him that he could actually send them out as emissaries with the good news about himself. And to give them healing power that they could take out to the villages around Galilee. He had 12 people that he called to be with him. He named them disciples. But he had three who were wingmen. Peter and James and John. He called them at the same time at the Sea of Galilee. He invited those three men into the room where Jairus' daughter had died. We talked about it last week. He, excuse me. He invited those three in to that place where he raised Jairus' daughter. He invited those three men to the mountain where he was transfigured into his heavenly glory. He invited those three men into Gethsemane at a separate spot from the rest of the 12 where he prayed with them. They were wingmen to him. Even Jesus did not walk alone. Sometimes we go, ah, I can do it. I mean, I'm an American. I can do it. I can make it by myself. No, you can't. Not from a biblical perspective. And not for very long. Paul had a man named Barnabas. Barnabas was a nickname 
His real name was Joseph, but his nickname was Barnabas. Barnabas, as a nickname, means son of encouragement. So Paul had this man in his life whose name was Barnabas. Who, it meant son of encouragement. So every time Paul looked at Barnabas, he's like, oh, good. There's son of encouragement. He's here to encourage me. And Paul needed that. And you look at Acts chapter 13, you'll find out that, that Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel with boldness together. You find in the same chapter that they suffered for the gospel boldly together. You find in Acts 15, they defended the gospel boldly together. And then you find later in chapter 15 that they disagreed about strategy for the gospel. And it made them separate in their strategy and go different directions. And yet both of them were effective as followers of Christ. And both of them were useful to the other later on in their lives. They were wingmen. And ladies, some of you go, come on, give me a ladies example. Okay, Naomi had Ruth. Ruth was a daughter-in-law. They weren't the same age, but they, were, but they were committed, and especially one was committed to the other. Ruth said, I will go wherever you go. Wherever you lie down, that's where I'm making camp. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going. Wherever you stop, that's where I'm stopping. I will not leave your side. She made a covenant with her. And in effect, she said, I will be your wing woman, Naomi. And nothing could make her break that commitment to her mother-in-law. All the way through the scripture, all those heroes you read about, all those people you look up to and you go, I want to be like that character. Most of them have a recorded wingman in the story. What about you? What about me? Now, no wing person is... Um, perfect. We all have flaws. We all come with flaws. We melt down. We have struggles, those kinds of things. Paul had some really good people as wingmans, like Timothy. He was faithful, faithful, faithful. But then he had some of his wingmen who were sort of distracted by the shiny things of life. You'll see their stories written in places like 2 Timothy. There's one man named Demas. He loved the world, so he chased after the world rather than staying faithful to Paul. There are no perfect wing people. I'm going to have to put this in generic terms all weekend long, I think, right? So that's all right. So how do you get one? In my life, I have had times when I've had these close, close friends who have walked with me and shared the struggle of the gospel with me, shared the struggle of family with me, all those kinds of things they've walked with me. And then sometimes they've been removed from my life, not because they were not faithful, but because God moved them from my life. One of them was John Bowles, who used to be one of our, he was the first paid worship leader we had. In fact, John was with us the second week of Lakeside Church. Now we're, we're going back and celebrating 25 years together. John and Tawny were with us on the second weekend and from then on. And just, little, just a little commercial announcement, um, John and all of our other paid worship directors over the years are going to be back with us on September 29th and 30th for our worship gathering. And yeah, so we're going to have all these guys back on the stage here, right, to... To lead us together. So it's going to be a really cool weekend. I'll tell you some more about that in a minute. John was a wingman of mine. And one day he comes into my office and he says, Brad, God's doing a new thing in my life. I'm like, shut the door. (laughs) He says, yeah, God's moving me to Jackson, Michigan. I'm like, no, he's not. He said, yeah, he really is. Oh, yeah, okay. 
And he did. God moved him. And God's done some amazing things through John and his family in that church in Jackson, Jackson, Michigan. You'll have a chance to hear about it in a couple of weeks. But when God moved him to Jackson to help those people there, he moved him out of my life, by and large. I had another wingman named Phil Adamick, uh, who was one of our, he was our first staff member, um, first full-time staff member at Lakeside besides me. And he served with us for 10 years or something like that, and then um, left the staff. And then a couple of years after that, was killed in an automobile accident out on White Rock Road. And he was my wingman, and God took him out of my life, took him out of everybody's life. And after that, those two guys left in a, in a fairly brief time with one another. And then I'm like, God, I don't have a wingman. I don't have anybody who's there with me right this minute. And I prayed and prayed and prayed to God and said, I, I have to fill this hole. And I just want to walk with you down the road a little bit of what I've done to fill that hole that those guys left when God removed them from my story. I'm just give you some steps to take to say, how do you find a wingman in your life if you go, I don't have one? Where does that come from? Five things. Number one, be intentional. You know, you, you, might, you might say, well, I already have six wingmen. They're in my small group. It's like, beautiful, way to go. So you can draw on your notepaper for the next five minutes or so, right? But the rest of you, it's like, hey, write these things down. Start, be intentional. Start with prayer. I believe God will not withhold from you a need that you have for a long time. Now, he may drag it out a little bit longer than you expected or you hoped for because he wants you to value what he brings into your life. But I don't believe God will withhold forever what you need. And I believe you and I need to walk with someone closely in this journey with Christ. And so start with prayer. It's like, God, I need someone like that. If I'm, if I'm David, I need Jonathan. If I'm Naomi, I need Ruth. God, would you bring me that person? Be intentional. Start with prayer. Number two, fitting for this weekend, join a small group. We have this, we have this small group kickoff on Sunday night here, tomorrow night, uh, just to kick off with people that don't have a small group. They're like, I don't know how to get in one. Well, here's a chance to get involved in one. We've got people out in the lobby today, and they'll help you get involved in a small group. Or how's this? Don't you guys sit in the same section every weekend? You already have a big small group. When we do that whole mean greet thing, why don't you just turn around and go, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Brad. Are you in a small group? No, I'm not in a small group yet. Well, let's make one up. And all of a sudden you're in a small group. We've been talking about love your neighborhood, right? Your neighborhood is where you sit. This is your neighborhood. You people from like the middle up, There's people around you that are not in a small group yet. If you're not in one, find them. You people from the middle back, there's people around you that aren't in a small group yet. Talk amongst yourselves after we get done and find the people that are not involved in one yet. You guys over here, you know who you are. I know know where you sit. Same place every week. Someone sits in your spot. It's like, get out of my spot. That's my chair. Why don't you start a small group with the people that are already your neighbors here at church? Number three, initiate movement in the relationship. Okay, let's say you're in a small group, and maybe, there's, maybe it's a couples group, and there's five couples in the group. 
And, you know, be in the group for a while, but after a while, maybe just initiate movement. Maybe say to somebody in that group, hey, could we go out to coffee? Don't initiate movement by saying, you know, first night in the group, would you be my wingman? <laughs> they will run for the door, and you'll never see them again. Okay? Don't, don't initiate, initiate movement. Don't run to the finish line yet. Okay? But maybe to say to somebody, hey, could we have coffee together? Maybe you go out to coffee and maybe you go, hey, that, you know, that we, didn't, we didn't really hit it off. We didn't have anything in common. We're not in the same place in our spiritual journey. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. Initiate movement with someone else. That's fine. Take a step. Initiate movement. A lot of times we wait for somebody. We come to church, we go, nobody said hi to me. I found it really interesting when you come to church and then I hear these, I hear these kind of things from people. They say, nobody said hi to me. I guarantee you that neither did they. I mean, I, I'm, you know, if you're a guest, it's like, well, it shouldn't, the onus shouldn't be on you. But some of us come to church for a year and go, no one ever said hi to me. I've had people leave Lakeside and, they, you know, someone I run into, I say, I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, I was there for a year and no one ever said hi to me. <laughs> Initiate movement. Number four, don't be discouraged with no. If someone, you know, if you, if you get to the place where you, you've been to coffee and you've been to lunch, you know, or whatever, and after a while I say, I'm, I'm just really looking for someone to, to engage with and to engage my spiritual life and maybe to be a prayer, a prayer with me or some of those kinds of things. And if someone says, oh, you know what? My plate is full. My friendship plate is full. They're not being rude. They're being wise. Some of us don't have any more room in our lives for more friends, and that's fine. You know what? The best person to find that, might, that will serve in a wingman role with you will be someone who's coming into the church, who's starting at the church about the same time or season that you are. And I can look through the history of our church now for 25 years, and the people that joined in the, in the fifth year, they're kind of friends with each other. And the people that joined in the 15th year, they're sort of friends with each other. We end up, we end up clustering with the people that came when we did. And, we all, and look at this. This little cluster of people that started 10 years ago together, we all like the same songs. Which ones are they? The ones we were singing 10 years ago. <laughs> That's just how that works. That's not wrong. It's not bad. It's just true. So if someone says, you know, I, my plate is full. I can't do what you're asking me to do. Don't be discouraged. You know, step back to number three and initiate movement somewhere else with someone else. Number five. Make faith a part of your wingman agenda. It's not about the giants, as cool as they are. You know? It's not about your car. It's not about your knitting. It's not about your bowling league. It's, you know, that, might be where the, that might be some of the attraction together, but that's not what it's about. It's about growing up as faith-filled, passionate, and productive followers of Jesus. And you need someone who will help you get there. And I need someone who will help me get there. And so include faith as part of that process of developing someone who's a committed, faithful friend that we call a wingman. And see what God does in your faith. See what God does in your faith story. And see what God does among us as he sharpens his people, us, by the faith-filled people he brings around us and into our lives. Father in heaven, thank you for these things. Thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you for giving us stories in the scripture where we can see people clustered together. 
And Lord, it's impossible for every one of us to be intimate friends with every one of us. But it's possible for each of us to be intimate friends with one or two of us and to be faithfully following Jesus together with one or two of us or in that small group. And Lord, I, just, I pray you'll build this among us. I believe there's power in it. I believe your spirit works through it. And I pray that you'll work this in us. And it won't happen by the end of the month and maybe not by the end of this year. But as we seek you out, you will bring those people to us and I'm grateful to you for that. Lord, thank you that even in this regard, your spirit walks with us as a wingman. Lord, thank you for these things. We love you. Amen.